The advent of love. What is love? There's a uh, commercial that's aired for the last several years, and it asks this very question. It's about a children's hospital. And about every child that they go and they ask, what is love, that child answers it based on his own experience. He says, love is a smile. Love is being able to walk. Love is being able to dance. We seem to frame what love is on our own experiences. And if I were to ask everybody here in this room, what does love mean? Why, we would have a lot of different answers, wouldn't we? What does love mean? Well, to a newlywed couple, oh goodness, we have focus that needs to be here. To a newlywed couple, perhaps, love is maybe full of dreams, accompanied with hope and anticipation. Yeah, love is like that. To a couple that's been around for a while, love might be stability, perhaps, companionship. Love is like that. To a child who gets a new puppy or a kitten, love would be a joy, a satisfaction, a fulfillment whenever that pet is around. Love may be, I'm taking you with me everywhere I go. Yeah, love can be like that. And yet to that same child, love is totally different when they think about their parents. Love is comfort or provision or encouragement when needed. And love... Love is like that too. Maybe you know love like these. And yet, we also know that there is, we do not love perfectly. We do not know love perfectly. Ask anyone who's had someone choose to leave them, and they will admit that they have had to reset that definition of what love is. Maybe they've even tried to abandon the idea of love and they wonder if anybody will ever love them. Ask a person who's trying to live on the streets what love is and they'll tell you that love is just a word that describes how they only have value until you get what you want from them. Tell a child who's been abused at home that God is their loving Father, and you might see a visceral reaction. There's no way they want to experience that again. Perhaps you have experienced, or perhaps you are experiencing this type of experience, this kind of pain in your life, and if so, I'm, I'm sorry. Know that you're not alone, that there's others that really do understand, and you need to know that this is not love. The point here is that love means something different to every single person. So what is love? What is love? Our view of love is not about, all about the love we've received. It's also about the love we give. And, and we know that when we love someone, we do not love perfectly. We know that there's love that we know we should be expressing that we're not quite able to do so. Even in the love that we give is not complete and it's not uh, done properly. 
we know that we fall short. We discover that we have limitations that keep us from loving as we know we ought. And every one of us interprets love through our own filters. So here we are today, the advent of love. What does that even mean? Let's go back to the beginning. Let's go back to the very beginning. And let me ask you this question. Why? Why were you created? Why were you created? Most people who have any kind of a church experience and a background, they'll answer that they were created to glorify God. And I will confess to you, I'm not of that persuasion. I I, I will tell you, though, that if we do do what we are supposed to do, if we fulfill why we were created, we will glorify God. But I don't think that's why we were created. So why did God create us? Is there actually maybe a verse that specifically tells us why we were created? I'm glad you asked. (laughs) There is, but it's in a very unlikely part of the Bible. You see, if we want to find out why we were created, we can go to the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. In chapter 4, verse 11, it tells us why we were created. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. God is worthy to receive all glory and honor and power. And we do praise his holy name. We honor him, and we love him because he first loved us. God really is good. And he has created all things. Why? Well, it's in the verse. And for thy pleasure, they are and were created. God wanted to. What's included in everything? You are. I am. We are part of that creation that God was pleased to create. He did this intentionally. Let me, let me word about it this way. I'm going I'm to choose Jeff here as, as an example. Jeff, let me, let, me, let me word it this way. Jeff, you were created by God. And it pleased him to do so. The day that you were born, God said, man, this is my chance. Nine months before, he began to put you together. And then when you came back, and he was just so excited to see, he wanted to spend time with you. And now, this is the day. And now he gets to spend time with you. And he planned to live forever with you. He wants to just continue to just grow in that relationship with you. And it pleased him to do so. He excited him to do this. You know what? I have said this to many people, and you know what? Every single one of you, I could put your name in this same sentence. Hey, God loves you. It pleased him to create you. He had joy. He did it intentionally. It was his will. And your Bible may put one of these other words in there like will or, or desire, but in the Greek word, it means the same thing. The word is uh, thalema, and it means pleasure or will or desire. And your Bible may have one of these other words, but let me tell you, it does mean the same thing in this context. What do I mean by that? You may go to an upscale restaurant, and the waiter or the waitress walks up to you and says, what is your pleasure? Or you may go to Flo's Diner and may ask, what will it be? Right? Will, pleasure, the question is really, what do you want? And here in this verse, we see that God wanted 
to create you. He wanted to have this relationship with you. And this little exercise I did with Jeff and with all of us here, I, I, when I talked to people, I could just see the joy roll across their face. I could see them straighten up and go, man, that feels so good. It does feel good that God loves you on purpose. He knows your name. But as I continued to talk to the person, I could see their face change almost every time. They go from this, this joy to a, a sadness. And they look back at me as if to say, yeah, Vince, I, I appreciate you sharing that with me, but I've blown it. Maybe God had a perfect desire for me. Maybe his intent was for all of that, but you know what? I've let him down. You, start, you can see they're just thinking about the things that they've not done that they should have done or the things they've done that they should not have done. And they say, you know what? Thanks, but that's not for me. Let me ask you this question. Do you think that whatever mistakes you've made were a surprise to God? I don't think you fooled him at all. And you know what? He was still pleased. He was still pleased to have created you. Even knowing that those mistakes would happen, even though that some of the things that you thought you were supposed to do didn't come to pass or things you did that you shouldn't have, even with all of that, it pleased God to create you. Understand that. That's what the scripture says unequivocally. That is exactly what God's heart is towards you. That, my friends, is love. That is fulfillment. That is satisfaction. And God intentionally invites you to have that relationship with, you, with him. It's an overwhelming joy and pleasure to create you. He prepared a place for you to live. It says that in my father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. That's in John chapter 14, verse 2. And I want you to know that God has already prepared a place for you. Not that we deserve it, but that he loves us. He really does love us. Now, we need to admit that there's a problem, right? Every one of us has sinned. Every one of us has turned aside from his glory. God is perfect, and his standards are perfect. We know that. And when he created you, you were perfect. I was perfect, but then we sinned. Oh, yeah, we were born with a sin nature, but man, then we acted on it. Now we fall short of the glory of God. Not one of us is innocent. We are all guilty, and we no longer meet the perfect standard of his holiness in and of ourselves. Our sin spoiled everything that God created us to be. And the wages of sin is death. Does that sound extreme to anyone? I mean, can we like do a little bit of penance, maybe... Uh, Maybe, and I'm sorry, maybe community service? Can we, can we do anything besides death for sin? Right? It just seems so extreme. The problem is that sin permanently mars all who sin for the rest of their lives. 
Perhaps some of you remember the old TV series, The Twilight Zone. One of the more memorable episodes had to do with a patriarch who was getting ready to die, and he made one of his uh, heirs wear a mask, or all of his heirs wear masks until midnight. Perhaps you remember that. These masks were formed to reflect the character flaws in each person. Once worn, these masks actually altered the faces of the people. They could not be changed back. Each heir was now permanently marred for the rest of their lives. This, this is what sin does. Sin mars us. It damages us. It wounds us. Like the actors in the show, we did this ourselves by the way we have lived our own lives. The only way to get rid of this disgusting result is death. That is why the Bible says the wages of sin is death. Apart from Christ, we will live this way for the rest of our lives. There's no way to pay for our own sin and come out of it alive. We are here this morning to talk about the advent of love. So what does any of this have to do with love? Because before we were even born, before we ever rebelled against God, before we ever wondered what the meaning of life was, and before we ever wondered, how do I get out of this crazy mess that I got myself into? Even before our sin set us up as enemies of God, before all that, God chose to love us. To love the unlovable. Before we knew we needed help, we were helpless. Before we knew we needed help and were helpless to help ourselves, God had already provided the help, all the help that we could ever need. You see, God gave his own son to save you. It was a deliberate and intentional and planned way to redeem you, to give you life again. And indeed, it works. We know that if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creature. The old has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You see, God just doesn't want to put you back, revert you back to what you were before. He wants to make you a brand new creature. And the old things are passed away. That is what it's all about. God tells the world in Ezekiel chapter 18, for I have no pleasure in the death of anyone who dies, declares the Lord. Therefore, repent and live. God does not want us to die. He wants us to continue to live. He wants us to repent. And he provided a way for us to do that. Matter of fact, he provided a very, very personal way. Parents, have you ever wondered why we raise kids the way that we do? Now, listen, I understand the mechanics. I, I get that kind of stuff. I understand the design. But why did God design it that way? I mean, consider trout. The female comes along, drops the eggs. Male comes along, fertilizes the eggs, and off they swim the rest of their lives. Wouldn't that be easier? Consider dandelions. They just sit there. The bee comes along or the bugs come along and they pollinate them and then off go the kids. No diapers, no babysitters, no nothing. 
Wouldn't it be nice if we did it that way? I want you to think about giraffes. A giraffe, the mom carries the giraffe for a while, and then all of a sudden, the baby giraffe drops four feet to the ground. Boom! Right? For the next hour, the giraffe is trying to figure out, what in the world am I doing in this crazy place? And he's trying to get up and walk, and he does it. Within two hours, a giraffe can run. Run! Two hours? Man, our kids take an entire year to get mobile. Okay, maybe yours is a little bit a prodigy and can move around faster than that. Not two hours. What's the deal with this? Why did God design us to have kids the way we do as opposed to anything like this? Certainly, certainly that would have been much, much easier. Why does so much emotional investment need to be given by the parent to raise a child? God could have done this however he wanted to. And he chose nine months gestation followed by years of training and raising. Why? Because if we reproduce the way fish do, or dandelions or giraffes, we would have no comprehension at all of what it costs God to save us. He gave his only son for you and for me. Because of the way we birth and train and raise our children, we begin to understand just a little about the great cost that God paid to buy you back from your sin. That, that is love. We've all seen images of nativity. And why did Jesus have to come as the Son of Man? Because that is the way that redemption works. Listen, read the book of Ruth, four chapters, Old Testament, nice and easy. And you will see that the kinsman redeemer, the redeemer had to be a kinsman. The redeemer had to be the same as that being redeemed. For that thing first was what caused the sin against God. Jesus had to be born as a man to pay the price of the sin of man. But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoptions of son, as sons. Ask any parent with a wayward child what they would give to get that child back safe and sound. And they will tell you that they would do just about anything. My friends, this is how God loves you. He did whatever it took to redeem us. And he loves each one of us so much. This is the advent of love. As the worship team makes his way forward, I want you guys to think about how much God loves you.
Even when our hearts were far from him, Jesus offered himself so that we could be reconciled with God. All we have to do is confess our own sinfulness, believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, and receive him into our lives. Receive the real love that God has for you. If this is something that you've never done today, it would be a good day to do so. There will be people up here in front to pray with you. If you have received Jesus, let us express his heart to others. There may be people this season that you will encounter that might be difficult for you to be around. Show them the love that God has shown you. It might take humility, but you can do it. For they are worth it too. And they too were created in God's image and it pleased him to do so. And he loves them too. Thank you.